say it this time say it you are listening to booze bullshit and true crime i'm brie i went <laughs> i'm right uh, <laughs> and we're gonna, uh, we're gonna uh, talk about some gnarly shit right it ain't gnarly this week we're talking about alien abduction aliens ufos abductions and shit is what she wrote down in it <laughs> To be specific. Because there's shit that's involved with it. So, what do we do this week? I mean, it's the beginning of the week. This past weekend, we had friends over and ate some food and hung out. We did a lot of breathing. We did do a lot of breathing, luckily. You're like super far away from the mic. I'm sorry. Also, the coronavirus is a thing. I don't know when you out there are listening to this, but right now in our world, it's a big thing. I don't even want to talk about it. I'm just saying, we got to bring it up. That's what's happening, man. We live in a small community that's like a ways away from any metropolitan area, and there's still not a whole lot of shit in stores up here. It's kind of a trip. Everybody's freaked out that they're going to be pooping a lot. Also, it was way too windy to be at work today, so we didn't get a full day of work, so that was crappy. But we are literally, like, walking underneath power lines, and if it's super, super windy, tree falls in there, we're underneath them, not safe. So I get it. It was just kind of like, man, I would like to get some hours in because that would be nice. Yeah, unfortunate, but... Fortunate. I'd rather not die. Mm-hmm. That'd be pretty chill. So you want to get into this? Let's get into it. Okay. As Wade said, aliens, UFOs, abductions, and shit. Topic of the week is Little Green Men. That's right, alien abduction. It is also sometimes called abduction phenomena, alien abduction syndrome, or UFO abduction. Everybody basically has heard of this, I assume. But generally, the abductee claims like to be secretly kidnapped by unearthly beings. And very commonly, ab- abductees, that's such a hard word, claim they were forced into medical examinations of some sort, generally with a focus on the individual's reproductive organs. Which, I know my story has a lot of that. My story does too, but yeah. Yeah, weird. Plus, I'm not... Uh, from everything I've read, little gray men. Little green men are Martians. Oh, so they're different. They are. Green is Martians, gray is aliens. Hmm. I have never heard of Out right now. So. Oh. There it goes. Told you. Catch up. It's gimping along there, isn't it? Skip-a-doop-a-keepin'. Okay. I don't know. Uh, it's freaking out. Reports of abduction have emerged from all over the world, but curiously, they are most common in the U.S. 
So that's kind of a weird little tidbit. Fuck, now we have aliens and coronavirus? Jesus. I mean, coronavirus isn't just in the U.S., but yes. Most scientists and mental health care professionals think these abduction stories are a load of shit, basically, and they can be easily explained. Common explanations for claims of UFO abduction are suggestibility, sleep paralysis, and uh, psychopathology. That's quite a big word. And that word basically means it's a blanket term for people claiming and doing really weird shit for a reason that they can't figure out. Meh. On the contrary, many stable individuals who later passed mental health evaluations believe wholeheartedly that their claims are real. And a lot of the abduction stories you will come across are incredibly detailed. Hell, there has been an entire subculture formed around the subject. Yes. UFO's a thing, man. It really is. So can I go first this week? You go first every week. Not every week. I forced you to go first. Was it last week? Probably. Yeah. So, my case this week is the curious case of Antonio Villas Boas. That is a cool name. Have you heard of it? No. I had vaguely heard of it. It's a really, really weird story, and it's kind of a short one, but it's interesting. (coughs) This case is thought to be the first real case of alien abduction claims to pop up in, like, mainstream media. It even predates the famous case of Betty and Barney Hill that most of us have heard, which I really wanted Wade to do, so we'll see if he did that case because I wanted him to do it. I did it. Yeah! Boas lived in Brazil as a farmer. His abduction claims have long been called a hoax by skeptics, but you'll have to make that determination for yourself. Buggle in. It is worth noting that Boas stood by his account his entire life and never, like, had a deathbed confession where he was like, I made it all up. Let's get into the account, shall we? Story time! Oh, God. At the time Boas was 23, he had begun working nights at the farm during this time to escape the hot temperatures during the day, which is smart. On the evening of October 16th, 1957, Boas was out plowing the fields. Plowing the fields. I don't know where that came from. I have no idea either. Sounds like a country song. When he noticed what he described as a red star, he called high in the night sky. At this point, the star began moving towards him. It continued to grow in size as it came closer and closer until Boas was able to recognize the star was an egg-shaped craft. There was a red light on the front of the aerial craft as well as a rotating dome on top of the craft. As the craft continued to approach, it laid down three legs and then landed in the field near Boas. At this point, Boas says, fuck this noise, and attempted to flee the scene in farmer's fashion, riding his tractor instead of just running away. After traveling only a short distance, the tractor's engine and lights completely cut out on him and just stalled like in a fucking movie. At this point, Boas hopped off the tractor and began fleeing on foot. Boas was then seized by what he described as a five-foot-tall humanoid-type creature, which I think his little men were green. Mm. Green men! He described the creature as wearing gray coveralls and a helmet. It had tiny blue eyes, and instead of forming words, the creature attempted to communicate by using barks and yelps. 
Very quickly, three other similar-looking beings appeared and assisted their buddy in subduing boas. The beings then drug boas back to their craft. Once inside the craft, the being stripped boas of all of his clothing, which would be fucking terrifying, followed by covering him head to toe in a strange gel. After that, the beings led Boa into a large semicircle-shaped room. The doorway to the room had red symbols written along it, symbols that Boa's claimed to memorize, and he was actually able to recreate these symbols and, and reproduce them for investigators later. Interesting. Which is a trip. Once in this semicircle room, the beings then took a blood sample from Boas's chin. Next, Boas was taken to a third room, and he was left alone what he thinks was roughly half an hour in that room. During that half an hour period, Boas observed some form of gas being pumped into the room that caused him to be violently ill and throw up all over the place. After being alone in this room for some time, Boas was then joined by another humanoid creature. What do you think's going to happen? Anal probe. Space lady sexy time. That's what's about to happen. The humanoid was female, very attractive, and completely nude. She was the same height as the other creatures that he had encountered earlier. And uh, there were some slight differences, though, physically. She had, long, she had a long pointed chin and very large eyes. The other creatures had small eyes. That appeared to be almost cat-like. The hair on her head was long and platinum blonde, like almost a white, like, toe-headed color. Oddly, though, her underarm and pubic hair was bright red. So, like, the carpet didn't match the drapes, I guess. Boas was immediately overcome by his attraction to the female humanoid as soon as she entered the room, and the two quickly had weird kinky alien sex. Yay. During their extraterrestrial sexy time, Boas noted that the female being never, like, kissed him or made out with him, but just repeatedly nipped him on the chin, like, with her teeth. <laughs> he did, like, the eyebrow roll, like... Whoa. Whoa! After the humanoid patted her belly as she smiled at Boas and then pointed to the sky, so basically saying, like, I'ma take the space baby and I'ma raise it in the stars. Uh, that's how Boas took it, at least. Apparently, Boas was angered by the whole situation after it happened, and he said he felt as though he had been nothing more than a good stallion, ew, for the creatures. Which, yeah, bud, all it took was a naked creature to be in front of you, and you got to get in, so I don't really understand why you're so mad, but you do. After the encounter with the female creature, Boas was given back his clothing, and then... Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> the coolest part, he was taken on a tour of the spacecraft. So, like... You were compliant. We shall praise you. The alien seemed kind of chill. During this tour, he did attempt to take a clock-like device with him as proof of the encounter, but he was caught by the alien people and forced to return it to the craft. The creatures then escorted him off the craft, and he watched as it glowed brightly and took off in the night sky. When Boas returned to his home, he realized over four hours had passed since he had last been there. Following the abduction, Boas complained of multiple symptoms, including nausea, heartburn, and digestion. Just kidding. Nausea, 
weakness, headaches, and lesions on his body that oozed a clear yellowish liquid. Sounds like poison oak. Yeah. They have a cream for that. <laughs> Boas was eventually linked up with Dr. Alavo Fontes of the National School of Medicine of Brazil. Fontes worked alongside the American UFO Research Group, ARP, or APRO, as well. Fontes examined Boas and concluded that he had been exposed to a large dose of radiation and was now experiencing radiation poisoning or radiation sickness. After this case, cool. Boas moved on to becoming a lawyer, marrying and having four kids. He stuck by the validity of his abduction story his entire life and died on January 17, 1991. But the fact that he was super sick because his body was full of radiation is kind of trip. That is a little bit trippy. What do you think? I think it's true. Alien sexy time is true? Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, there's your story. There's your son. No, not that. No? No. That was a pretty good story. I, I just thought it was really weird, and it predated most of the other stories that... You really come across when you uh, Google alien abduction stories, which there's a lot that comes up when you do that, but not a lot that you can find info, multiple sources. You know what I mean? Yeah. <coughs> yes, I agree. And like Bree mentioned, I'm going to do Betty and Barney Hill and yeah. their alien abduction story. Abduction? Abduction. Abduction? Like abduction? that machine in the gym that I can't exactly. do? Exactly. Okay. Um, so their case is actually pretty big, and it took took their story quite a while to actually get, like, recognized and become big, but, uh, Barney, he passed away in 1969. What a year. Yeah. <laughs> and he was actually employed by the United Postal Service, who was a night worker. I think he did, like, stocking and, like, did all, like, the shipments from one place, like, warehouse. But I have warehouse. a question. Will they see us waving from such great heights? <laughs> well played. I'm on it tonight. All right, you continue. Are. And Betty, she passed away in 2004. Oh. And she was a social worker. Aw. They're uh, really well-educated people, and they're pretty big, like, community leaders. Or they were community leaders, I guess. You wouldn't really be big. You're big if you're a community leader, right? So they were trusted people of the community. Exactly. Okay. And Barney actually sat on a local board for the United States uh, Commission on, like, civil rights. Damn. So he's pretty well educated, dude. Solid dude. A lot of people were kind of believed Barney when Barney was really adamant about his story and how you know, he took it to the fucking grave, too. Like, yeah. they both took it to the fucking grave. Yeah. And Barney was the type of guy that was like, there's no way this fool believed in ghosts or extraterrestrials or whatever the case may be. Like, there's no way he was he was into that shit. Hmm. So that's what made the case a little bit more believable to his close friends and family members. Okay. Uh, there's a lot of reports on my case, so all of them pretty much said the alleged like UFO sighting happened September nineteenth, nineteen sixty one. There you go, Eric. Got you some dates, bud. Mm -hmm. And I got you a time, 10.30 p.m. Oh, Boom. date and a date time. Date and a time. Very Stepping specific. Stepping that shit up. And he's referring to a post that happened on our Facebook group, Booze, Bullshit, yeah. and True Crime. Uh, Wade got called out. I did. So their road trip was quite spontaneous. And uh, 
they went to Niagara Falls and on their way back uh, Montreal, and that's when on their way back is when Betty claimed to see the UFO. So they were uh, a little bit south of Lancaster, New Hampshire, and uh, Barney was driving south on Route Three, and Betty she was actually like just staring out the window, looking at the trees, and it's nighttime. She observed uh, some falling stars, some shooting stars. Cool. One kind of caught her eye because this shooting star was actually moving upwards. And once she noticed it, it started actually moving erratically in the sky and grew bigger and brighter. So Betty, she urged that Barney stop the car so she could get a closer look. And Barney, like the entire time, Betty is like, you know, egging barney to pull over telling him that there's something in the sky he kept reassuring her that you know it's just a satellite you know there's nothing wrong it's cool don't be you know don't be crazy and then betty then said you know let's let's pull over we actually do have to walk the dog and barney was like all right cool i'll do that but that's actually when he started seeing the object himself and that's when he noticed that it was actually hovering above the treetops at approximately 100 feet above them. So he abruptly stops the car in this like little picnic. Uh, I guess it was, it was, they said it was turnout picnic area. But from what I was reading, it was a actually. a weird hybrid. Huh? It's a weird hybrid. Well, no, I was saying it was a turnout or a picnic area. Okay. Not, not a not hybrid. Yeah, it was a hybrid <laughs> of each. But I also read that it was actually in, like, a campground. It's like Twin, Twin Mountain or campground or something like that. Okay. But he actually he noticed it, and he abruptly stopped. And just, he had a gun sitting underneath his, uh, or beneath the seat, or between the two seats. And grabbed that, shoved it in his pocket, and ran off into a dark field, leaving the car running and Betty in the car. Okay. So when he got out there, he broke through the little tree, you know, little tree border or whatever you want to call it, and saw what he described as like a big jet, but it was round and flat like a pancake. Ooh, pancakes. And there was like behind the rows of window, because he said there was like two rows of window like stacked on top of each other, and that he saw gray like beans and that they had like seemed to be looking at him. Because at this point, Barney was actually looking through his binoculars at the object, the okay. UFO. Okay. And he had his gun, and when he was looking through it, he kind of felt like they were staring at him. So he wanted to reach for his gun, but he couldn't let go of his binoculars. Like, he would not drop his binoculars. Like, something was telling him not to drop his binoculars, pretty much. Hmm. It was quite the tale. <laughs> it still is quite the tale. True, it is. So, uh, he he had this, like, really weird feeling because he couldn't let go of his binoculars and grab his gun, as well as like, thoughts going through his head that they're about to be captured and shit like that. So he started yelling hysterically, running back to the car, just like any fucking horror movie, do you think? He barreled down the road, and uh, Betty actually tracked the craft. Like, she was, like, sticking her head out the window, you know, yelling at him where the fucking... Uh, vehicle or where the object was and then that's when they all of a sudden heard this like loud rhythmic beeping coming from the trunk of the car okay 
So right when they heard that beeping, the orb was right above them. And they felt completely, like, they felt instantly drowsy and lost consciousness. When they finally woke up, they were about 35 miles down the road, and approximately two hours had passed. What? This Twilight exactly. fucking zone. So when they got back home, because they couldn't recall anything after they went unconscious, they just woke up and they're like, holy shit, it's been two hours and you know we're hella far down the road. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> they got back home and they lived in uh, Portsmouth, uh, New Hampshire. And they were, they were kind of trying to make sense of the night and, like, how they lose consciousness, what the fuck really happened, what was that orb. And uh, Barney decided, you know, he wanted to examine their bodies, so he he felt compelled to do that, just check their... And it really said, like, the lower half of their bodies and stuff, so they didn't really see anything they're just both puzzled and dazed by the whole situation so in the weeks and months after betty started like having reoccurring dreams and like nightmares terrifying dreams and barney actually developed ulcers and had severe anxiety oh yes so at that point they started going to see a specialist and they were, I mean, they went to this guy for months because they went to like monthly, weekly sessions. Monthly, weekly sessions, or, huh? Uh, sorry. <laughs> Throughout their weekly sessions every month, their therapist helped them actually like piece together what they thought had happened that night. And this is what they uncovered. It's quite. Quite scary when two people actually come up with the same thing. Yeah. So, what they uncovered was a vessel had landed on the hill's car, putting them both to sleep. Afterwards, the gray beans walked them up a long ramp into the spacecraft. Once inside, the hills were separated, taking turns in an examination room that had curved walls and a long light hanging from the ceiling. Each was asked to uh, climb up on a metal table, and the table was pretty short because Barney said his legs hung over the side. Okay. During the examination, they began by, like, removing their clothing. They plucked strands of hair, took clippings of their nails, and scraped their skin. Each sample was placed in, like, a clear little material vial, and it was... uh, it was, it, I don't know how to, the bottle wasn't like glass or metal. They couldn't descri- like describe what the material of it was. Futuristic. Pretty much. So, needles connected to long wires probed their heads, arms, legs, and spines. Mm-hmm. And one long needle that was around like four to six inches long was inserted into Betty's belly. Ugh. This was a pregnancy test, evidently, and it left her in extreme amount of fucking pain. Yeah. Throughout the whole thing, uh, Betty and Barney had, like, been calling this one uh, great creature the leader because he was kind of like, he, he was there throughout the whole thing and eat, you know, in the examination room, but he was just the one that was standing off to the side watching. He okay. wasn't doing anything, so they, they deemed him as the leader. And 
it was like when I was doing the research, this is kind of where a lot of it, I don't know, it was a little weird to me. So Betty said after her examination ended, the beans rushed back into her room excited. They discovered that Barney's teeth could be removed and Betty laughed because she explained to them that he had dentures. Okay. <laughs> so, and then later she said that, like, she was alone with the, the one that, I, that they called, like, the leader. And she asked where the craft had flown. And then she said she admitted to him that she knew little of the universe and made a joke. So, the bean, the the gray creature joked and said, if you don't know where you are, there wouldn't be any point in me telling you where I am. Okay. She said that the the gray creature was joking with her. Okay. And that He's was He's like, you're not going to know where the fuck it is anyways. Yeah, so, so why up. the fuck does it matter? <laughs> but the weird thing was, was later when... Uh, Betty was under hypnosis. She actually drew a a map of the stars that she was shown on the ship. Okay, I remember this part. So it was kind of it was kind of it was kind of weird because you know she was saying that they're joking and doing all this funny shit, and then she goes under hypnosis and she's drawing like fucking stars of them on a map and shit like that, or a map with stars. Yeah, weird. So, in uh, 1965, the Hill story was picked up by a Boston newspaper, and after that, everything pretty much changed. The story was pretty quiet, and then it actually became a best-selling book. There was a movie written about it, and the couple actually became, like, celebrity abductees. No. Yeah, so before the Hill story, uh, alien encounters were kind of, like, described as, like, friendly. And there was no, like, there was examinations, but they're all, you know, not necessarily friendly in a sense, but, like, not evil. Well, the Hills were one of the first popular cases. One of the first, yeah. But at the same time, their case was still light and humor and kind of funny like i mean she she had a big ass needle put into her and then afterwards she was joking with the leader yeah you know what i'm saying so it's kind of it's i'd probably be nice to somebody if i was captured too though this is very true um so once the hills story actually became better known abduction accounts afterwards shared certain like characteristics such as like the medical examinations the missing time and the aliens being large headed with big eyes large headed and uh the whole like the grays that was actually dubbed from the hills story and the ufo circle community whatever you want to call it they actually it actually became like the grays became a really big staple in personal and like Hollywood accounts because yeah. it's, it's like I mean in the movie uh, Close Encounters of the Third Kind yeah. they're described as the Greys and then in the X-Files and shit they're described as the Greys shit like that so that's my story that was a good one I liked it yeah 
I do too. It's kind of a quick episode this week. Uh, we could have dove as deep into this as we wanted, so we just we stuck our toe into that alien pond. Yeah. I think. I mean, if you've ever seen crop circles, anything like that, send us pictures. Signs. Signs. Oh, that was such a good thing. movie. But yes, pictures. Send us pictures. Because we have a Facebook, we have a Instagram, we have a Gmail. Booze, BS, and true crime at gmail.com. Send us stuff at our Gmail. Add us on Facebook and Instagram. Do all the things. I'm going to try and get some pictures maybe of drawings that both of these people did from both of these cases. And I'll post those on social media. So Oh, there's a bunch of pictures in my case. Mine too. Yeah. Go check it, check it, check it, check it, check it out. Yeah. Peace, y'all. Yeah, yeah.